Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. Maybe you're not uh, familiar with the sermon series that we've got going at the moment and um, you know it's your first time seeing this. Uh, it's Kings of Old and in regards to uh, the sermon series Kings of Old, it's, it's based around the kings of the Old Testament. And um, I'm pretty excited about this sermon series because I've learned so much about it and how it can relate to my life today, even, even in relation to what's happening around the world, what's happening in our community. Um, you know, and these kings are, are just different leaders that, are, um, that do just some, some interesting things. Uh, and I said before, if, if this was a movie, if we did any of the, the lives of these kings and as a movie, it would probably be rated R18 for its violence and just a lot of just things that, you know, action movie, uh, which is something I really like in, in my Christian movies as well, um, that are R18 action, you know. But the, these action movies, you'd, you'd probably find that, that if you were to read these stories. So if you have time, I want, you, want to encourage you to read about some of these kings. There are so many in there that you probably would never have heard of before, um, never knew their story. Uh, there's, there's kings that you may know. Uh, we've shared some of them in these past weeks, and we will be continuing to do so in these next following weeks ahead of us. So let me start here. Kings of old, you know, we have learned um, over the weeks about how Israel went from being one kingdom and becoming split into two rival kingdoms. And we have the northern kingdom of Israel, and then we have the southern kingdom of Judah. And the thing about these two kingdoms, they never reunited again. Um, the northern kingdom of Israel, they had 19 kings um, throughout their history. And out of all 19 kings, not one of them were followers of God. All 19 were considered evil. So last week we learned about uh, one of those kings, which his name was King Jehu. And, um, you know, he was this, one of the kings from the northern kingdom of Israel. For the southern kingdom of Judah now, there were 20 kings that ruled over time. And it's said that it's about six or seven of them were, were godly kings. Now remember I say six or seven because it depends whether you count if they started godly and finished godly. Uh, because not all of them did. The rest were evil uh, in that kingdom. So today, we will be looking at one of the kings from the southern kingdom of Judah, and his name is King Hezekiah. I'm going to briefly share his story pretty much in my own words, okay, and then give some practical things for us to take away that we can all be challenged to live our lives out this week and even just from here on in. So I also encourage you this week, and I said this in the beginning, to go away from here and just read even this guy's story, his whole story for yourself. Uh, it's about, it's not about, it's three chapters long. So it's a great story, very short uh, in, in the Old Testament. So don't just take my word for it as I share his story today. Uh, get some time this week and see what else you can learn from this amazing king, Hezekiah. Now, this king is one of my personal favorite kings of old. Uh, when Hezekiah became king of the southern kingdom of Judah, 
He was actually only 25 years old. He wasn't a boomer like me, okay, boomer, you know, but, but he was known as a buster, and, and meaning that he just busted up a lot of things during his reign. He wanted to do something unique and, and different because the setup in Judah at that time, it was pretty shocking. Spiritually and morally, the southern kingdom of Judah was weak because they had a lot of idol worship. But Hezekiah was a great leader who was faithful to God. Let me direct you to 1 Kings chapter 18, where his story starts. We're going to read a couple of verses, um, some snippets throughout today. Uh, just to, but let me read you what it says about Hezekiah, starting at verse 3 of this chapter. And it says, Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He removed the high places. He busted the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. He smashed into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. Now there's history there. Let me just stop there with Moses. If you remember the story of Moses leading the people of Israel. And, and he used you know, the, the symbol of the snake uh, you know, for them to pretty much get saved from, being, from, from dying out in the wilderness. And throughout the years, someone just carried that and, and saved it all the way up until this time. But over time, they started to worship this idol, this snake. And they forgot what the purpose was, which was God. So, you know, and also these were places, you know, those things that are shared in these verses, they were of idol worship. And as the new king on the block, Hezekiah, he wasn't going to have any of that. In verse 5, as we read on, it says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. And then right at the end of here, it says this, Hezekiah rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. So you may think that's a bit of a random thing to say, but now at this time of Hezekiah's reign, the main enemy everyone feared was the king and the nation of Assyria. Now, these guys were the reigning superpower of this era. And the king of Assyria, uh, Assyria sorry, was known as King Sennacherib. He had a huge army. They were strong, they were organized, they were efficient, and were known to be pretty much incredibly cruel when defeating other nations at war. For example, when they conquered new places, they would take the king and the leaders of that nation, and they would hang their bodies on poles out in the open for everyone to see that their ruler was no longer. It put fear in them, and it was a, a visual example of how powerful the Assyrians were in dominating the world. Not only were the Assyrians an army uh, that were violent, but they were also masters of like, psych, uh, psychological war warfare, meaning they had this technique right, of intimidating uh, their enemies by using words that would mess with their minds and bring fear. 
So King Sennacherib and his army, they were a people not to go up against. You know what's interesting? You know how we have been talking about the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, with Assyria being the great reigning superpower at the time, conquering and taking over nation after nation, it was the Assyrians who wiped out the northern kingdom of Israel. So it was actually during the period that Hezekiah was the king of the southern kingdom of Judah, right, that the northern kingdom of Israel had come to an end. The northern kingdom of Israel at this time no longer existed and it never became a kingdom again. It was the Assyrian army who were the ones that just wiped them out. And where do you think King Sennacherib was aiming to conquer next? Well, if you didn't guess it already, it was King Hezekiah and the southern kingdom of Judah. They were the obvious next choice for King Sennacherib to take over. Yet, in those verses earlier on, it reads, Hezekiah rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. Now, that part of the verse of Hezekiah choosing not to serve um, Assyria didn't happen straight away. Hezekiah had to face some hard pressure from the Assyrians leading up to that decision. So here came, uh, you know, King Sennacherib and his army. And before reaching Hezekiah's kingdom, right, the only way to, to go and, and, you know, take over pretty much the uh, southern kingdom of Judah, uh, Sennacherib, he sends a few of his leaders, right, to go ahead of him to negotiate with Hezekiah. Now, like I mentioned before, the Assyrians, they were good. They were good at the psychological warfare, intimidating, you know, their enemies, manipulating people and, and messing with their minds to bring fear. And these leaders were sent ahead of King Sennacherib to do his bidding. So once they got there, you know, they got to the gates of, of the southern kingdom of Judah, the intimidation from these Assyrian leaders began. You know, they, they hurled insults. They, they even bragged about how they even defeated and conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. Finally, you know, they began to, to mock Hezekiah, uh, your mom, you know, and, and in front of, you know, his own very people. Look at what they said to the people in Judah in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 29. And these are the leaders talking, and this is what they say. This is what the great king of Assyria says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you from my hand. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and come out to me. Then each of you will eat fruit from your own vine and fig tree and drink water from your own cistern. In verse 32, it says, Do not listen to Hezekiah, for he is misleading you when he says that the Lord would deliver us. Has the God of any nation ever delivered his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Who of all the gods of these countries has been able to save his land from me? 
How then can the Lord deliver the kingdom of Judah from my hand? Wow. This wasn't an insult just to Hezekiah. It was an insult to the Lord God of their nation. As you can imagine, Hezekiah was helpless before this mighty army, and their king who were, you know, this, their king, this king who were on their doorstep, about to annihilate them, just like so many other nations before them. And so it was, in this moment of incredible pressure, Hezekiah did the only thing he could do. He threw himself before the one true God, and he prayed for deliverance. In the same chapter, verse 19, this is what he says. Now, Lord our God, deliver us from King Sennacherib's hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are Lord our God. Now fast forward this story. God not only heard Hezekiah's prayer, but he showed up and he delivered Judah from the Assyrians in a powerful and a miraculous way. Get this, the night before, right, the Assyrians were about to march into battle to take over the kingdom of Judah. While the Assyrian army were fast asleep, the angel of the Lord appears in the Assyrian camp and he takes them all out. The next morning, when this, the arrogant king, Sinatra, he wakes up, he walks out and he finds all uh, 185,000 of his soldiers dead on the ground. He was clueless of how it all happened. So what does King Sinatra do? Well, he makes a run for it. He took off and he, and he forgets all about his plans to try and overpower you know, the southern kingdom of Judah, and he never returns. Now, as his time goes by, Hezekiah starts to become famous. God had not only delivered him from the Assyrians, but he did a number of you know, miracles on Hezekiah's behalf as well. There's even a story where Hezekiah was, he was very ill. And on his deathbed, but God turns up, takes away his sickness, and he adds another 15 years to Hezekiah's life. I mean, that's crazy. He actually became, you know, something of a, of a celebrity king of that time. All of the nations knew who he was and what he'd done. I mean, talk about favor, right? In the beginning, I mentioned that Hezekiah is, you know, one of my favorite kings to read about because of how God showed himself strong in his times of pressure. And yes, we can all learn, you know, when in pressure, the best place to find strength is seeking God in prayer, just as Hezekiah did. But another reason I love the story of Hezekiah is because it reminds me that no one is perfect. And we all need, to, we all need a savior to save us from our sins. As great as Hezekiah was, he was not perfect either. There is a verse I want to bring your attention to, and it's from a prophet who served uh, during the kings of old. He was alive at the time as well. Um, 
and it's Hosea, and, and I, I don't have it up there, but Hosea chapter 13, verse 6, and this is what Hosea says. He says, when I fed them, talking about the Israelites, when I fed them in, in, in you know, the, the kingdom of Judah, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me. So after this glorious victory over the Assyrians, the Assyrians were no longer the strongest nation taking over the world. But just like, yeah, I guess like any superhero movies, there's, there's always a new villain that comes out of the woodwork. And this new and upcoming superpowered nation were none other than the Babylonians. And they came along and they come knocking on Hezekiah's front door. And hear me here, Hezekiah welcomes them in, into his house with open arms. And it says in uh, 2 Kings chapter 20, in verse 13, it says, Hezekiah, he shows the Babylonians all that was in his storehouses. The silver, the gold, the spices, and the fine olive oil, his armory, and everything found among his treasures. There was nothing in his palace or in all his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. The thought here, did Hezekiah believe that he was now in a position where he was the leader of the superpower nation? He was getting all the attention from people that he never thought would be interested in them. And with the new power status, did he forget the Lord God who got him there in the first place? He even bragged to Isaiah. Now Isaiah, who was the prophet during that time, telling him all about what, you know, he did when the Babylonians came to visit him. And this is what he says to Isaiah, you know, um, King Hezekiah. He says to him, man, they saw everything in my palace. There is nothing among my treasures that I did not show them. It's at this time of Hezekiah's life that we see something change. His pride has blinded him. Can you see his language here? This verse. They saw everything in my palace. There is nothing among my treasures that I did not show them. So God promised Hezekiah that day, straight after he said that, pretty much in these words, he said, you know, in future generations, King Hezekiah, Babylon will come. They will come back. The very nation that you let into your kingdom. And they will conquer the southern kingdom of Judah. Not only that, they will take away your sons and your grandsons into exile, make them slaves to the kingdom of Babylon. And those of us who may be familiar with the story, those of us who are not, this is exactly what happened. But you know what? After hearing that very serious prophecy, this, is what, this was um, Hezekiah's response to God. In verse 19, he says this, Man, that is good news. 
at least there will be peace and stability during my lifetime. Wow. In other words, I'm not really worried about the future. As long as it doesn't affect my lifestyle and reputation right now while I'm alive, then I'm fine with that. Hezekiah didn't worry about the next generation that followed after him because he was too busy enjoying his fame and his fortune and his famous celebrity king that the whole world knew and admired. And with his fame, people from all over the world would come and present him with gifts and riches. The once faithful king was now lost in himself. Now, I love what Hezekiah represented in the beginning of this story. His faith, his fearlessness. But I also like him because of the lessons I can take away from his life that remind me that if I'm not, if I'm not careful, I too can fall into the trap of being prideful in my life. As God shows himself strong on my behalf. See, for me, I... Uh, been uh, praying for, for our church all these years and leading the church, uh, you know, as a pastor and, and, and trusting God and what we're doing here. I have a heart and I have a vision to, to create, you know, a culture that I believe God has given to our church here at Every Nation Southside. It's to, you know, part of it's to do with this whole warrior spirit in us. The warrior side, it's that warrior side that is fearless, a fearless disciple of Jesus who can walk in such humility. But also the spirit side, which is, you know, the whole warrior that lives and, and, and walks and fights, but it's guided by the Holy Spirit all the way through. Now, I get encouraged by people when, you know, <laughs> When they share after I've shared the word, I've preached the word, and I don't want you to stop doing this because it makes me feel good as well and encourages me. But, you know, people will come and say, man, brother, Ulu, that word was great. And praise the Lord. Now, if I'm not careful, I can take all of those great things people say about me and think, yeah, I'm the man. Praise the Lord. You know, I can start thinking that way. And... Man, I can say, man, look, yeah, true. Yeah, thanks, man. Look, look, look at what's, what's been achieved in the work that I've really put my effort into. Now, I tell you, I constantly remind myself every time after I preach or after catching up with someone or even catching up with groups of people, hanging out with different people, every time, even this morning, I sat in the car. I mean, I, you know, we hung out, a couple of guys, us guys, and we hung out, and, and you know, I got to share. And coming back to the car, I mean, I, I had to remind myself, man, thank you, Lord, for using me to speak your words. Not mine. And I have the same heart. I have to when I'm up here on stage in front of you. That when I finish from here and I'm encouraged by many of you, which really helps me. And, and you know, 
And I leave and I hop in the car and I say, thank you, Lord, for using me to speak your words and not mine. See, God is doing incredible things in and through every nation south side. I don't know if you see it. I hope some of you do. But he is. And the mistake is, though, is we too as a church can be blinded by pride and take credit for what God has done in this church by using us to be his voice and his hands and feet. You and I, we need to know that as God is creating a culture for every nation south side, a big part of it is because it's to make Jesus famous in South Auckland and throughout this nation. And we need to constantly be hungry and willing to point people to Jesus and not to the things that you and I have accomplished as Christians. Hear me here. Don't build your Christian life around the here and now. What I mean by that is, let's learn from Hezekiah that all he cared about was things to do with his own success in his own lifetime. He showed little care about his children and his grandchildren and those he was going to leave behind that looked up to him as a great father, as a leader, and even as a king. You know, over the years, as my boys have been growing, and even me as a father um, growing, um, you know, and trusting God and, and nurturing my boys, things like, like money. <laughs> you know, back in the day, I wasn't that great with money. I stole a lot of it. But, you know, now God has just redeemed my life and taught, you know, just, just gaining wisdom of people and reading his word about, about finances and things. Currently now in my life, I'm teaching my boys about money and how to enjoy spending it, but also how to enjoy saving it, how to spend it, how to save it, how to invest it, and how to share it with others. This is what I'm trying to teach them. They don't get much money, but when I give it, to, when, they, when they receive it, I'm trying to teach them. Same thing as, as prayer. I remember growing up as a, as a young kid, and my dad, he used to always sit us every Sunday night, and we'd always have, you know, prayer, and I'd gather all the family around, and man, I don't know if you were a young kid, you just could not sit still and, oh, going to get a prayer, <laughs> you know, had no choice, prayer or the beat, <laughs> you're either one of them, but I'd be there every Sunday night, because that's just what my dad did. I'm so grateful for that because that's what I do with my kids today. Is it easy? Not all the time, but man, I'm so blessed that I'm able to pray with my boys every night before they go to sleep. Get them to pray as well. It took time, but I'm grateful for that. It's, it's pouring into them. It's not worrying about my life, but thinking about what's to come. Other examples, I mean, trying to teach my boys how to be respectful, you know, young guys. I'm trying. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm someone that I hate being bullied and I hate bullies. I do not enjoy seeing bullies on the street. 
And I've always taught my boys, if you ever see anyone getting bullied, you stand up and try and, you know, get involved, try and get some other people to, to help you, um, to, you know, diffuse that situation. And so I've always taught them that. And then there's times when we're driving in, in the past where I'll see some violent stuff happening, someone hitting somebody in the car, and I'll just stop straight away. Just, it's just in me. I'll just stop. And then I'll just tell the boys, stay in the car, but watch what I do. And then I'll hop out, and then I'll just deal with the situation. Now, I won't walk in with just the warrior. I'll walk in with the warrior spirit. And the Holy Spirit just can diffuse anything when you trust in walking in that humility. Fearlessness, but with humility. And then I'll come back into the car. I say, you guys all right? Oh, yeah, it was pretty scary. What did you guys think? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Well, next time pray when that happens, okay? So I'm always, I just kept teaching them and teaching them these kind of things. And so they get used to me always stopping the car and hopping out now. <laughs> oh, here, there, guys, here. Let's start praying. But, you know, just this week, my eldest boy, he had an encounter of trying to stop a, a, a young guy beating up his girlfriend. And he wasn't young. My son's only 15. He was work, walking, you know, at Manukau. He was just walking, coming to meet us. And on the way, he just saw this guy beating up his girlfriend. My son just turned around and said, hey, stop that man. Cut that out. He was an old guy. He turned around and he swore at my son. And my son said, man, you've got to stop there. That's not right. And we ran and grabbed the security guard and came back and, you know, was just trying to stop it. And my son goes, man, what are you doing? That's wrong. And this old man, well, maybe because maybe I'm just dumb then. That's what he said to my son. But my son was able to diffuse it. And I was proud of him. Now, of course, I don't want anything dangerous to happen. But, man, I was just so proud that he stood up for someone that was in need. Because he saw He's seen so many times in in our life, driving in the car, the situations that I've always had to deal with. That's a warrior spirit that I'm trying to teach my boys. So many different examples. I mean, me and my wife, we have the opportunity to share with couples about marriage and what are some things to watch out for that could cause problems to the future of your marriage. And so we try to live it out amongst them and with them, life. Coming back to Hezekiah, it was from Hezekiah's story where I, myself, where I caught the conviction that my life after I'm gone means so much more than my life while I'm here physically walking on earth. And the only way for me to, to stay focused on the next generation, the generation who I, you know, you and I, we will pass the baton to run hard and, and fearlessly for Jesus when we're all dead and gone, is not to allow pride to take a hold over our lives during that journey. You see, if you are a, not a follower of Jesus and not living in obedience to his word, well, it could be just it's the pride that is in you that is stopping you from surrendering everything to him. But let me say this. 
You could be someone who loves Jesus wholeheartedly and walk in his obedience. Even if you serve here in our church, we all, including myself, we have, as Christians, we have a natural tendency towards pride. Because just like Hezekiah, we are not perfect. But guess what? Jesus is perfect. In his strength, we can fight to stay focused on him, not on ourselves and gaining, you know, our own status. In him, we can walk in victory over pride. And it is only through Jesus who was perfect. It's only through him that we can be whole again. Not perfect, but whole. And so I want to finish by saying these few, uh, I guess, challenges or, you know, some things to think about as you leave here. What have you been challenged by through this word today? There's probably a lot of different things that you may have heard. But what have you been challenged by today? Are there areas in your life where pride needs to be dealt with? Are there areas, I know, in your marriage where you need to be humbled in? What about any of you who, who may be, be in a relationship that needs Jesus to be the center of that relationship? But you're blinded by pride to even acknowledge God's voice who is speaking to you right now. What about some of you that are, you know, that need, are trying to find discipline in some areas of your life where no one knows some hard places in your life, but it's because of pride that just holds you back to, to either share with someone about it, to get prayer for? What are some of those areas? We don't want that end part of Hezekiah's life. I think you've probably seen all around the world if you jump on you know, social media or on the internet and stuff, maybe people in your life, we've seen them walk so hard for God. I've, I've been with brothers and sisters that have walked so hard and loved God and we've been arm, you know, just arm in arm, just walking with Him all these years. And then literally like 10 or 12 years later, they decide to walk away from God. And I couldn't get my head around it. Why would you do that? You've come so far that you've chosen to walk away. What is that? Somehow pride has blinded them. Now I can look at them and judge them, which I dare not. But I look at them and I think, whoa, that can happen to anyone. It can even happen to me. So I don't want uh, pride to, to blind you in your life right now. It's a journey. This is a thing that you're going to have to walk out. And as Hezekiah did, I mean, he was a great king. Don't get me wrong. He was actually one of the good kings. But it just shows his flaws in everyone. The sad thing is, he didn't think about the next generation. How about you? If you've got children, are you thinking about them? If you don't have children, are you thinking about the next generation that you are imparting into? Cousins, little nephews, nieces, people here in church. It's a bit of work. It may take time, but man, it's for the long term. It's not for the here and now. It's for what's to come. So I encourage you, church, you know, church family, trust God in this time as you pray this week, as you pray about what is some of this pride that needs to be broken? What are some of the things that 
you may be aware, uh, may not be aware of, allow God to show you, you know, so you're not blinded by the pride as we walk. And we may be good right now, but what happens if something, just something tragic in your life happens in two years' time? Will you still fight and walk with God? And I pray you do. I pray I do. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you.